0: Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today we are joined by Adrian Muir, the COO of BoxSmart. Now BoxSmart is a global telecommunications technology company and the acknowledged pioneer of the mobile voice recording and intelligent communications surveillance. She is also a non-exec director at the International Stock Exchange Authority with over 20 years market experience working for exchanges and financial technology firms. So she is here today to share her story. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thanks for having me. And it would be brilliant if you could tell us a little bit more about VoxSmart just to kick things off.
1: Oh, amazing. Okay, Um, good question. Well, BoxMart is kind of the global provider of communication surveillance and technology, primarily for sort of tier one banks and financial institutions. We've kind of got this long sort of history of developing quite innovative mobile compliance and surveillance or in surveillance technology. And that tends to be around sort of voice and electronic communication surveillance. actually in 2016, I think someone's gonna tell me it's not, but about 2016, we launched the first um, WhatsApp and WeChat compliance solution. So it really was enabling our customers to transact over these platforms. And I guess when we take a step back, our goal is really to become the leading global supplier of communication surveillance to financial markets and the regulated sectors. I can tell you, it's by far the greatest place I've ever worked in my career to date. Oh,
0: love that! Great. Which, um,
1: which tells you something. I love the people. I love the product. Um, the passion that we have. I love that we're problem solvers because what we're doing. I mean, you probably because you've been you know in the financial markets for a while as well. You see all these things flash up all the time, saying, um, you know, you know, trader has been uh, given a fine for this and such and such for that and. And it's, it's, it happens. But what we're trying to say is that, you know, when you're executing trades and financial services, it's not just what's happening on the technology, it's all the bubble of communication that happens around that. And we've recognized that as a problem, okay? And and what we help do is, is work with financial institutions to really support the senior management regime where they're obviously wanting to people to be safe and compliant when they're working, but also piece together the, if something does go wrong or, or is a bit complicated, it's not just about the trade that was executed. It's, it's, the, it's what's happened in that bubble around it in terms of communication over WeChat, over, I don't know, Bloomberg chat, of, over an email. So you can kind of really piece together the comms. So it's a really great company and um, I'm incredibly proud of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah and I love that and I can hear that passion and the pride <laughs> as you're talking through it but it totally makes sense and it's definitely something that 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 we all we all need to be looking at. Um, So tell us a little bit more about you and your career journey and what got you here today.
1: Wow such a great question. I cringe want to hear it sort of twenty twenty five years <laughs> it only feels like yesterday right. I I, I went to university uh, in Wellington New Zealand and, and, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't sort of grow up thinking I was going to be a lawyer or an accountant and actually I look back now and the job that I have is a job that would never have been available to me when I was of an age anyway so that's something I often say to my kids by the way. I'm like the job that you're going to end up in is possibly a job that hasn't been created yet and I think that's often really important. to yeah, sort of pass I on. love
0: hearing that. That's, that's yeah it true. is kind
1: of because electronic trading wasn't around when I was little you know everything was open outcry but I went to university and studied sociology and really enjoyed that and then what happens often in New Zealand is we do this thing called a OE which is your overseas experience and you work for a year, you save your money, you pack your bags, you move to London. Uh, My grandmother uh, was born in Scotland so I was lucky enough to have um, a visa which allowed me to kind of come over here for five years when I was in my early 20s, I think 21. So I left New Zealand, packed my bags and and off I went. And um, one of the first jobs, my first real job in London was working for for Life, the Financial Mm -hmm. Futures Exchange. And they were taking the open outcry market that we all kind of knew and turning it into a technology platform. So it was kind of the first trading platform really of its kind. So I got to work with all the developers and the testers (laughs) and I loved it. I had no idea that I loved things like that. So I And I was more, more like like a project assistant, kind of pulling it all together, working with the guy that headed up the development team. And he was a, an incredible man from Liverpool who had such an incredible vision. So I would be sitting in there on bug triage meetings and I got to listen to how they fixed and developed sort of tech. And I was kind of hooked in a weird, weird way. And, I, and then I moved into customer testing. So I, I looked at how that all worked. And I think what I did was I just kind of I was there for five years and they would say, oh, do you want to go off and do that? There's an opportunity in there. And I'd be like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. So at about 27, I decided to go back to New Zealand and, and I went to work for the New Zealand Stock Exchange. Um, I, you know, they were like, oh, she's got exchange experience. There's one exchange in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. um, and at the time it was being sort of hunted by the Australian Stock Exchange. And uh, if you know anything about small uh, nations in Australia and New Zealand, we were like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not going to happen. So I worked with an incredible team out in New Zealand for sort of five years and we took their business and turned it around. And that was really, you know, we demutualized, we, we listed it on the um, market, we changed it from the NZSE, the stock exchange to NZX, because we wanted it to be more than just about securities and we wanted it to launch into other commodities, etc. Yeah. I put in a new trading system in about my fourth year at the exchange uh, for, and it was a new trading system called Trayport. And when I decided to leave the exchange and kind of do something different, sort of five years in, Trayport reached out to me and said, actually, we're looking for someone who'll sell exchange technology into exchanges back here in London. Would you like to come and head up our, uh, our exchange business unit? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's a big job. Uh, sure. Oh, sure. Kind of thing. So I, packed yeah. my, you know, I sort of said bye to everyone in New Zealand again, and they were like rolling their eyes. Okay, off she goes. And moved back to London, sort of five years after kind of leaving. Mm. Um, but this time around, a bit different, a bit more sort of like an adult
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: with a big job. And it was a big job at that time. And Treyport was an incredible and still is an incredible software company offering great sort of software solutions. And, and I had a lovely journey with them because I kind of got involved at the sort of 60-people uh, we looked at, we had sort of different business unit streams, and then we looked at kind of the organizational structure and made changes. So that was always really important. And I was there for sort of on and off for about seven years. I say on and off because I was having children in between that. So um, when I decided to leave uh, Trayport, I did some contracting. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I was passionate about technology. I knew I was really interested in exchanges. I was kind of interviewing with some others, and then I came across Foxmart, and met with our CEO, Oliver Blower, who many people are aware of, and we sort of sat down and had a chat. And my background of kind of building out companies and kind of all, I went back to university when I was at Trayport actually and studied uh, organizational sort of development and change and how teams work. So I found having an opportunity to talk to him, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. I, I'm going to get the privilege of, of working with a great company with great technology and I'm going to get to build out a business and I, the business that I want to work for. And it's kind of like, you don't always get those opportunities. So I sort of joined Voxmart four to five years ago now and um, have been there ever since.
0: <laughs> well, what an incredible journey. I love this back and forth, New Zealand and finally London got I you. Know, I know.
1: And my you're here friend. with us now. I
0: think,
1: I think it's officially now that I've been in London half my life and New Zealand half my life. Wow. And, um, it still makes me a very, very proud Kiwi, but um, of course, of but, course, um, yeah. But it's it's definitely been a bit of back and forth, you right, yeah. Yeah. So, um, just th- just thinking about your
0: role now, um, at VoxSmart, I'd love to hear more about what that role entails. But also, when we last spoke, you were talking about the perspective that you bring personally to the company, and I really wanted you to share that with the audience.
1: Oh goodness, I mean, sometimes I look back and laugh when I started at VoxSmart because, and I tell the story. I think I've told this to you before, but on my first day, I came in and there was a dista desk in a room off Charterhouse Street in Farringdon. And Oliver said to me, oh, you might need to spray and wipe your desk. <laughs> so I cleaned the desk. And he was like, Shall we go down the road and get your computer? And I know that some people would love that. And some people would just freak out about that. But I was like, oh, I'm going to love this. Because this is ground, you know, I, this is, I'm getting to build something. Like even choosing my
0: my <laughs> yeah. computer
1: which is so much fun, right? So you know, the perspective I kind of bring and what I wanted to bring was, and I think you get this a little bit from your upbringing, right? And this is in your core values and stuff. Is I, I knew how I wanted to treat people in an organization. I knew that I had some really interesting operational experience from working in exchanges that I could bring to a company. I had a natural aptitude for getting stuff done. I think importantly as well, I think this is, I kind of know my strengths as much as I know my weaknesses, and I'm not really, I'm not ashamed or afraid to kind of talk about that. Um, Mm. And I guess I have a good eye for where people fit in businesses. I don't, I remember when I was in New Zealand Exchange, I was quite young, this, one of the guys said to me, you'd be really good in HR. And I was like, oh, please give me a break. No, I'm really good at testing. But I think it was more like, I, I quite, I quite enjoy seeing, I love actually seeing someone come into a role as a grad and then they kind of get this role and QA and then they turn into something else. And it's just like, I mean, nothing makes me actually happier than seeing people kind of do that or, um, yeah. or just hiring great talent and not just a talent on a CV, you know, you can read a CV. We can all read it. Oh God, read my CV. It's pretty boring, but you meet the person
0: yeah.
1: and you're like, Oh, I know that you'd be great there. And actually you'd pick that up really quickly and I think you'd get along with him and her and I can, so I kind of piece together an organization that just sort of works and that's not magic, but it, I think it comes from experience of seeing how kind of good teams work. So I think that Oliver and I work really well like that because I would say to him, Oh, don't call me crazy, but I've, I've met someone who I think you should meet because I think he would be really good here and he'd be like, okay. But over time he's kind of recognized that, that we, we both do that quite well and subsequently have made and, and brought together a really great bunch of team who who we really respect. Um, Amazing. And I think, or oh, the other thing too is, I think someone told me this as well, but it's not lost on me that you know, I'm not doing a favour to Voxmart turning up to work every day. They're doing me a favour. I, I really believe in that. I think that you, you can't expect you know organisations to just be not not so much that okay. they. I don't want to take for granted my role. Basically, um, yeah. I fully respect my role and what it means for those around me. So I try really hard not to take that for granted. So I bring to the table, hopefully, I, I ask all the questions, <laughs> a lot of operational diligence, huge amount around values and respect. I mean, I I can't speak more highly about people that come into our organisation and I genuinely mean that. Um, I am firm and fair. I think we talked about that last time. But equally, uh, I sometimes think that the person that you sort of, sort of talking to now is a person that I am when I'm dropping the kids off at school or I'm, um, sitting on a panel or I'm having dinner like I, I, I kind of bring my full self to, to work and, and I think that's about being authentic leader I've tried to be somebody else and I've tried <laughs> yeah. different management types of roles like I'm going to do this today and it never works because I just fall back to the who I am so I would say I'm quite I'm quite authentic I kind of say it as it is I'm probably massively sensitive so it's not a bad trait um but i just i've got a passion for what we do and and i think that really is you know the minute that dies then you've got to really consider what your options are yeah. elsewhere i guess
0: yeah absolutely i love i love your answer to that because i think that that perspective that you bring you know that that being able to see the potential like you know you're you're talking to a recruiter here so i'm so with you on that like I love the fact that I'm still in touch with a lot of the people I've placed 17 years yeah. ago and I've really been with them in their careers. It's nothing yeah. more rewarding. So I, I love what you said there. And just taking that point of what you said about how you communicate and you, you just said firm but fair. So, so yeah, that's something I'm really interested in at the moment because I think that... You know, there's there's a lot of challenges in business that I wanted to pick your brains on, and you know, one yeah. of the challenges is around sort of how men and women communicate and how actually that communication is perceived. And when we spoke before, we spoke about firm but fair, which you've just mentioned, but also clear as kind. And I just yeah. wanted you to tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on that because I thought it was really insightful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not a master of communication and management but by any shape of the imagination. And I and I do think sometimes, if I'm really honest with you, raising children and being a parent has really helped me figure out my communication style. And, you know, some people have sort of said to me, be really clear to your team and to your people around you what type of manager you are, because that really helps. So they're not kind of trying to figure out, is she is she better face to face? Is she really, really good when it comes to an email? So... I tend to be quite clear with my team about what I like to do and to how, you know, I am quite sort of like, let's, let's sort of have a meeting and be really clear about what we're doing. Uh, let's make sure we're quite action orientated. But I kind of, I, I've tried different communication styles and I do find that it works to be, and I don't mean firm like you must do this and be sort of managed like that. But if we're taking a direction of travel and we're all kind of bought into the strategy of what we're trying to do at a business, and if there's someone that's perhaps not following that path or particularly around, dare I say, it, the values of our business, if someone's not being respectful and I'm look, I'm not saying <laughs> we all hell have our days, but you know, our values around taking responsibility and, and respectfulness as an example people aren't really showing that, then we need to be quite firm with the individuals and have Absolutely. adult conversations, with, whether that's a woman or a man. And I think you'll find that w- women and men, just by nature, will communicate differently. I communicate, you know, I see that even just watching my children sometimes, you know, um, I think we tend to lead with empathy sometimes. I, I, can tend to, I tend to kind of think, well, how would I feel if that was a situation? And I've been in many situations like that. I I tend to say to my management team all the time, uh, you know, we've got some really incredible policies, but there's policy and then there's humanity. And that for me is really important as well, because we're dealing with people at the moment. We're dealing with people in a pandemic at the moment. Everyone is different. So I think that I try and kind of my baseline is always to kind of communicate to everyone in the same way. But equally, you know, people come to me with different problems. And often if they're women, they will come, be coming to me as a woman about um, issues that are often women related. And as someone who has been in kind of senior roles since I was in my early 30s, I had, didn't have a lot of women in my executive management teams. And I, I kind of had sort of thought about that as I was growing out Boxmart and thought, okay. I want to make sure that women and men who've got, who you want to talk about it, they can come to me and have a conversation about um, anything from you know, product development right through to personal issues if they need to. And they, and you have to be able to have the conversations with them about it. And that's, that's been massively important for me on my journey, for sure.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us um, because I think that's so, it's so key that, that we're constantly working on our communication and, and how, we're, how we're heard and how yeah. we're perceived. So I think that's really useful. So the next thing I wanted to ask kind of takes us back a little bit to the last point when we were talking about watching people progress within a business or, or actually paving the way for them to progress in a business. And you've said something really, um, really what I, I felt was really inspirational about just figure it out. And I love that concept of the difference between a career path. And a career opportunity And I've heard you say that before there are career paths but there's also career opportunities and and grab the opportunity so I just wanted you to say a bit more about that as well please
1: yeah I mean I look it's definitely not lost on me that we've got a lot of grads that are coming out of university at the moment and they're not seeing the opportunities right and that's a real shame and you know it was, it was quite different for me sort of at sort of 2021 coming out but I kind of went to, you know, I went to school and I liked English and I liked history and I liked, you know, there were things that I enjoyed and there were things that I really didn't. And what my, you know, my parents sort of always sort of said to me is, you know, try everything and, and sort of see what you feel and you know, don't be afraid of trying something new. When I kind of started my job really early in London at Life, there were internally lots of kind of opportunities. There wasn't a career path for Adrian Quinn at the time, you know, sitting on a seat but there was an opportunity for me to kind of pave a way in that organization and just try as much as I could. And that was, that was kind of what I thought. So when someone would I overhear someone saying, oh, actually we need a, a project assistant in the, you know, the testing area to kind of help implementing, i would be like, oh, I'm, I could do that, you know, like, or um, there was some crazy stuff I did in the, over the years, but um if, if people are going to take the time to spend energy on me to help upskill me, I was equally going to spend as much energy on learning as much as I could. And I think that's, you know, talk about who, if you're book smart or street smart, I think I'm probably, when it comes to financial services, kind of street smart, because I kind of learned on the ground as I went. And I think a lot of people are coming out saying, I feel like I need to have a, a career but equally I'm hearing a lot from kind of the next generation of people talking about how they want that balance, you know? So I, I know of, you know, people who've graduated and, and this young guy, for example, who, who's incredibly creative and talented, but equally wants to challenge his brain in, in some other areas as well. So he does two days at a fintech and three days as a musician. And actually that suits him. And I think as an organization, we have to recognize that, it's not Monday to Friday, nine to five anymore. We could actually get a huge amount of value of having someone who's just come out of university who wants to do three days with us as a commercial analyst. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And I think we have to learn that actually times are changing and people want a different type of work environment to what perhaps I was used to. So I think there is a career path and I totally respect that, the people that are going through the you know being lawyers and accountants, et cetera. But I think when you look at fintech, the opportunities within them as a graduate coming out of university or even as someone who hasn't gone to university, and I think that's a really important point. Yeah, very good point. There are some incredible opportunities, and it's just about how you navigate those. Only three weeks ago, I had a graduate reach out to myself and Oliver and wrote us an email through LinkedIn, and we do get those a lot but uh, he had an interesting background, very specific to what we do. And we had a conversation with him on the Monday evening and he had a job offer by the Tuesday morning. And I think that blew his mind, it blew my mind. But um, (laughs) it it wasn't lost on me. Like I was, if I'm, I'm not, I won't lie, I was quite emotional about it because to have been able to build a company where someone wants to come and work for us and utilize what they've learned at university and we've got a role that will work for them an incredibly difficult time to find a job, it, it, That's brilliant. I, I loved it. Like I think, I mean, Oliver called me afterwards, he's like, are you a bit teary? And I'm like, well, yeah, I think I probably am yes. because it was, it was great. And so the opportunities are there and they're not just technical. I think sometimes FinTech is not reflective of what we do. I mean, there's incredible. you know, there's so many different um, roles that, that are not necessarily technical. I'm not technical. okay yes I've tested and I've done things but I understand how how technology works within a process and a flow and I think that sometimes we just need to start breaking down what it is that we're trying to achieve and and recognize that there's so many different possibilities for individuals out there particularly women and this is what we and I've talked about in a lot of what we're doing at the moment
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely. And I feel throughout this podcast, you've really highlighted some key themes that I want people to be listening to. FinTech's not just about the tech, but the tech's great too, you know, but it's not just about that. Communication is so important. People potential is absolutely center to to this industry and what makes this industry great, but also people flexibility that you were just talking about there about the musician, you know, three days a week, being really bringing that creativity to the two day a week at the FinTech. So, um, you know, I wanted to hear a bit more about your thoughts around inclusion within the industry because I think all those things that you've just been talking about—they really, really answer like the question of of Voxmart and you and how you're so inclusive. But I, I, we need to learn how we can get better as an industry. So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: First of all, I love love what you. I mean, I didn't know what you were doing on that seventeen percent club. So, having an email sent from you to me with five talented technical women and non-technical in some instances to my inbox on a Friday afternoon is a joy right so I didn't know that and I quite like that because it's it's not lost on us that actually we get lots of TV's coming through and we're seeing obviously a lot more men than we are women right so it's just a fact so to see that and to see the talent that's coming through and I think to the point that you and I were talking about last time is that when someone says well I can never find someone you know, a young girl for this role, I'm going to go, well, actually, I, I receive CVs from Harrington Star on a regular basis. So I don't actually believe that. Yeah, I think that we've got to take it back down a notch too, and, you know, look at what we're doing with STEM within schools and within universities. And I think there are some great with, you know, I think uh, Innovate Finance have just released their FinTech in schools, which is so good. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of breaking down that barrier and making sure that we're talking about it so that, Young kids in schools are saying, oh, actually, I don't know exactly what my role is going to be when I kind of come out of university, but I'm going to get a broad kind of approach to what I want to do and I'm going to kind of attack some of these kind of cool, I think we are cool, you know, FinTech, tech Medi- Medi- Meditech, whatever it, what, what is what you want to do, there's so many different organisations out there looking for really passionate, smart, clever people. So I think we don't talk about it in schools nearly enough. Uh, it is being addressed in schools, in some schools, but not as many as it should. So, you know... I know that I'm in a position that if I am, and if I'm honest, looking at it, two different CVs, and they're pretty much married at the same, and one is a woman, and one is, I can choose either one, and I tend to choose the woman, because I do think your point around the 17% is not great, and we want to have a very even, diverse culture at Voxmart, and we do, we really do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and do you know what? Everything that you said today really, really points, points to that. I think you've given us so much to learn from and so much to think about how we can implement that in our teams, with our people, in our businesses. And I've loved everything that you've had to say and, and all your wealth of experience that you brought today. So thank you so much for taking part of our Women of Fintech awesome. podcast series.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.